0: At 16 I felt like the world was full of possibilities. Back then my family and I lived in Sweden and for the longest time I was in love with the wild rough nature that seems to live in perfect harmony with Swedish urban life. Sweden is both the darkest place I have experienced in winter and the brightest in summer. The days are long and absolutely nothing short of magical. And it was on one of these long summer days that 16-year-old Malin Olsson was found naked and strangled in Gothenburg, Sweden. My name is Joya, and as I dug into Malin's case, I realized that she was a girl like me. I've come across pictures of Malin a lot these past days, and she looks exactly like my neighbour when I lived in Sweden, with a big bright smile and fluffy blonde hair that is in a typical 90s haircut. And I recognise myself in Malin as well, as Malin's mother describes that her daughter adored animals and loved a good joke. Malin also loved life. Her mother has a tape recording where she says that it feels good to be alive. But Malin Olsen died in July of 1994, which was a summer of extreme heat in Sweden, with temperatures of over 35 degrees Celsius. And for many people, it was also a summer of celebration, because the Swedish soccer team had done really well in the FIFA World Cup. Malin grew up in a place called Dalsied, which is right on the border with Norway, and a two-hour drive north from Gothenburg. Dossiat is relatively remote and small, so when Malin and a friend of hers were asked to babysit a dog at a house in a town near Gothenburg called Herrida on Saturday the 23rd of July, they were probably very excited to feel the life in the city and the energy there. That July, the Gothia Soccer Cup was the cause of even more bustle in the city, with over 35,000 spectators coming to see the soccer championship in Gothenburg. Besides the spectators, there's a really big student community in Gothenburg, so its nightlife is really active and it intrigued Malin and her friends. That Saturday evening, after having looked after the dog all day, Malin and her friend embarked on an adventure with two boys that they knew. They explored the nightlife in Gothenburg in a big bright red Cadillac car. When it pulled over into a gas station, Malin lit a cigarette. But when she was told that smoking is forbidden at gas stations, her good mood and excitement for the night suddenly disappears. And to release some steam, she walks away and goes around the corner of the gas station. It is the last time that she is seen by her friends. Though her friends looked for her for 20 minutes, Malin already left and was nowhere to be found. The next morning, Malin's friend calls her mother to let her know that Malin got mad the previous day. She walked away and never returned to the house in Hereda. In an interview, Malin's mother said that she immediately knew that something was wrong, because it was unlike her daughter to just up and leave without telling anyone where she had gone, or even giving anyone a call that she was okay. That morning, Malin's mother's worst fears are confirmed. A passerby finds a body in Gothenburg's ostra the Eastern Cemetery. On a square plot, underneath a tall bush, the naked body of Malin was found, strangled. Her clothes were scattered in a nearby bush. From the conditions and the position that she was found in, it was first believed that she may have been raped, but in my research I couldn't find anything that alluded to that and there are some accounts that detail that there is no evidence that shows that she has been raped or even sexually assaulted, besides the fact that her clothes have been removed. At the crime scene, the police found an 80 centimeter long leather belt, which was commonly sold in the Gothenburg area, but which didn't belong to Malin. They also found some cigarette butts and a crescent moon-shaped print of some sort on the headstone near where she was found. The print was probably made from a bicycle that was put there, but investigators weren't sure. Some of the contents of her wallet were found at a park bench in a cemetery, right next to where her body was found. The police believed that, after killing Malin, the killer sat down to look at the contents of her wallet, and he even washed his hands in a nearby fountain. The contents of her wallet, like her cards and photos, were found all around the cemetery and in adjacent streets which was probably because the killer was looking through the contents as he left the crime scene. The only thing that police did not find that day was Malin's ID, which was found just a few days later at a tram stop in Hortedala, a Gothenburg suburb. The tram that passed by the tram stop in Hortedala also passed by a stop near the cemetery on the night of Malin's murder. So it is possible that whoever killed her Boarded the tram and either threw it out of the tram window or as they boarded off. Though police isn't really sure how the ID ended up all the way in Hortadala, which is about 20 minutes away by tram. Though something from her ID was missing. Her photo. It is believed that the killer cut the photo out of the ID and kept it as a souvenir. Her purple wallet. One of those three-part extending ones, which was typical of the 90s, was also never found. One of the main questions I had was, how did Malin get to the Ostrahirko Garden? To know that, we really need to know more about the cemetery itself. The cemetery is located really centrally in Gothenburg, so there are a lot of people that pass by it, especially in July when the days are long. The sun comes up around 2 to 3 am and goes down at 11 or 12 pm so there really is only one or two hours of proper darkness and that july the city was filled with people coming to see the gothia soccer cup so you would expect that there was someone who might have seen what happened but so far no one has come forward with any information about what exactly might have taken place in the cemetery that night But thankfully, there are a handful of witnesses that can tell us more about Malin's final whereabouts. One witness tells the police that they woke up around 1am because there was a baby screaming nearby. So maybe to catch some more sleep, they went to the window for some fresh air. And as they looked out of the window, they noticed a girl passing by the nightclub in the street. They took note of the girl because she looked so young. Too young to be at a nightclub. This witness was able to describe Malin in such detail that the police is sure that the witness did indeed see Malin. Other witnesses that were near the nightclub at the time say that they saw Malin as well but in the company of a young man that was leading her the way. Apparently she might have met the boy in a place called Swingen and his witnesses also noted that Malin seemed pretty tipsy though not outright drunk. The boy and Malin probably separated at a bridge near the cemetery because when Malin stopped to ask a passerby for directions back to the city centre, back to the gas station, she was alone. It was a straightforward walk. Just turn at the first corner and then the gas station is straight ahead at the end of the street. But Malin never arrived at the gas station. Instead, she ended up dead in a cemetery. Malin's mother tells police and journalists that Malin must have been forced into the cemetery because she was deadly afraid of them. She would have never gone into the cemetery for a shortcut, and she certainly would not have gone into the cemetery to meet up with someone, like a friend or a boy. Which means that, unless her body was moved, Malin probably lived her last moments in utter fear. The crime scene shows signs of a struggle between the killer and Malin. But Malin really fought for her life. And this is corroborated by witness accounts, even of people who were just 10 meters away from where Malin's body was found, who heard what they called heartbreaking screams. A group of young people heard the screams and thought that it was just a joke, so they yelled back. But no one ever came to her help. But why would anyone kill Malin, a 16-year-old smiling girl? Was there a sexual motive? Was it a robbery gone wrong? Or did she perhaps meet someone who was fascinated by the kill? We won't know the exact motive behind her murder unless we find a killer. But even though her murder may have had a sexual motive, as she was found naked, in a quote-unquote sexual position. She doesn't appear to be raped, and a robbery seems really unlikely to me, because as a 16-year-old she must have had very little money on her. One of the most popular theories is that the Swedish serial killer Per Anders Eklund was behind her murder. Eklund is actually one of the most well-known criminals in Sweden. In 2008 he was convicted for two murders, one of a 10-year-old girl and another one on a 31-year-old woman. He was also convicted for the rape of a young girl and for being in possession of child pornography. The reason why Eklund is linked to this case is because we know that he is capable of committing a crime like this. On top of that, the Gothenburg police is convinced that Malin had not been the killer's first crime, given that the killer likely took his time staying at the crime scene. But another reason is the fact that there are some similarities between Malin's murder Eklund's modus operandi. Eklund would take souvenirs from his victims, and as I mentioned, the killer likely took the ID photo of Malin, and possibly even her wallet from the scene. But the police has never officially linked Eklund to Malin's killing, because the clues are simply too weak. The police also investigated some of the supporters that were in Gothenburg for the Gothia match, but again, nothing substantial came out of it. There apparently was one significant suspect in the case, who was tied to the bike that possibly made the mark against the tombstone. But even though the police believes that the man has a link to the case, they were never able to confirm that he is the killer. Recently the case got more media attention, because a 58 year old man, who has previously raped an 8 year old girl, is being investigated for his involvement in the case. He grew up near where Malin was found and still had relatives living in that area. He would have been at ease with the surroundings and he has previous convictions of crimes against a minor, though the lead detective in Malin's cold case called Anders Eriksson states that this man is not being treated as a suspect. It's been 26 years since Malin's been murdered, and her killer still walks free even though, according to the police, it should have been an open and shut murder case. But no arrests were ever made. A hair was found at a crime scene, and also more forensic evidence was found, but the police never released it because it is still an ongoing investigation. But for now, the case remains unsolved, and the police is not actively investigating it anymore today. But there are many questions in this case, because on the one hand we know a lot about both Malin's and the killer's whereabouts but not enough to track the killer down. Another aspect that has thoroughly confused me is the fact that Malin's friends never really searched for her. They say that they looked for her for 20 minutes. What they did after that is not clear. Malin's friend returned to the house in Harada on her own that Saturday evening, whilst Malin lay in the Eastern Cemetery. If you have any information about Malin's murder, you can contact the Swedish police at 11414. For information about the sources I used and some of the evidence, I posted it on a website which is in the description. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening.